Hey guys, this is Nathan Cravat, and I am excited to tell you that next week we will be back in the studio for another episode with Brian, JC, and myself. We have enjoyed the sabbatical, but we're fired up to be back in the studio. But today, the Preacher's Kid podcast with John and Eli is going to be unbelievable. We're excited for how the RFP Network stepped up and filled in throughout this, and we hope you've enjoyed it, and I know you have. We've heard from a lot of you guys, but we are so excited about being back in the studio. We've got a lot to talk about. We have missed you. We've missed doing this, but we've really enjoyed time with our family and hitting the pause button for a little while. Today's episode is brought to you by the Bible Missionary Baptist Church in Rockwell, North Carolina, where Pastor Cody Zorn is hosting a King James Bible debate this Saturday between myself and Mitch Canup. This is happening at 1 p.m. I believe the doors to the church are opening up at 11.30. There's going to be a debate for about an hour and a half, an intermission, and then they'll have a question and answer time for about an hour, an hour and a half. So this is going to be an absolutely unbelievable event, and I can't even believe I have the opportunity to do this. I'm excited. I'm excited to represent the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast, and I'm excited to engage with Brother Mitch about this very important issue. Hope to see you there this weekend. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. As you know, the RFP men have been on sabbatical through the summer, but what a great time it's been hearing from the RFP fam. The RFP network of podcasts that have filled in each week this summer with some dynamic and engaging, hey, interesting episodes. I've subscribed to, I think, all of the shows because I heard them first right here on the RFP. Hey, my name's John Groves, and no, as far as we know, no relation between me and JC other than just being a part of the family of God, but I am proud to be one of the hosts of the Preacher's Kid podcast. We know that those PK letters certainly do bring quite a bit of pressure, whether you realize it or not. And as a recovering fundamentalist myself, fourth generation preacher's kid with roots all the way back to the very first graduating class of Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri, all the way back to Bob Jones University, Bob Jones College, and the like, I'm proud to be here with you today as a recovering fundamentalist. My heart has always been to the PKs, the preacher's kids, the misunderstood. And so today we're going to give you a little taste of what it's like to listen to a PK episode and invite you to subscribe, but especially to let this be a ministry of encouragement and humor for your kids if you are serving in the ministry. So, hey, my name's John Groves, so it's just kind of cool to get to fill in for JC Groves when I say, let's go. You know what makes women stupid is college. Jesus was not a bartender. Hi, man. Two. You have lost your mind. Long-tongued heifers have given me a lot more trouble than heifers wearing breeches. And you know that. Say amen right there. One. Let me tell you something, bozo. They'll be selling frosties in hell for this boy. Put on a pair of pink underwear. Amen. I sucked my thumb till I was 14 years of age. You're listening to the PK Podcast with John Groves and Eli Blevins, where that PK stands for Preacher's Kid, not Perfect Kid. 
This episode is brought to you by the Ficus Forest, growing in the upstairs storage closet and the backstage baptismal changing rooms. These wonders of God's divine plastic design can be strategically placed to hide any unpleasant distraction from congregants' view in any season, platform, or place around your established church facility. They never have to be watered, and bonus, they never have to be dusted. I think that was supposed to read, they never have been dusted. All I know is, we ain't throwing those away. Sister Carol donated those, and she would roll in her grave out back and take her in-memoriam piano back if we ever got rid of those. So it doesn't matter if you like us. The deacon board will strike us should we ever dispense of the ficus. Now let's head over to today's episode with those preacher's kids. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Preacher's Kid Podcast. How's life in Wilmington, North Carolina, co-host? What's happening, Eli? What's up? It's hot and sunny. It is nothing better than spring in the South. Nothing better than the spring and the beach and all of those things. And Absolutely. I'm not sure that anybody appreciates the beach any more than our guest who's on today. An incredible PK <laughs> with an incredible story. And... We're probably going to talk about some Navy SEAL training later today, so we'll yes, get back sir. to that speech topic, but we're excited to yes. welcome Ben Course into the podcast. How are you doing, Ben? I'm living the dream, guys. Thank you for having me. It's been a little bit of a chaotic day, but I love living a chaotic life. It's way more fun, so I'm glad to be Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Agreed. Dude, I'm just so excited, and what you guys are doing is, is such great work in the world. Like, I, I, I was thinking... Uh, I think like several months back out loud with a friend of mine that most of my best friends are pastor's kids. Like they just are because we, we tend to be really crazy. Either you go like atheist, like new atheist route, or you keep loving God. You just kind of got to do it in a slightly anti-establishment way. And, and that's, that's kind of how we are. We're all wild and crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. We definitely get some just interesting perspectives um, from just people all across the spectrum. And so that's why we do this. We just want to be able to equip pastors, kids, um, some who are, you know, doing the right thing and some who have no clue what they're wanting to do and everything in between. And so um, that's where we're just stoked to have people like you on here. But hey, Ben, I want to hear uh, a little bit of your uh, pastor's kid, uh, maybe testimony life. Um, kind of give us like a bird's eye view of what your life was like growing up as a pastor's kid. Well, my dad, he just lived what he preached and he lives currently what he preaches. Um, he, I would sometimes drive down the road and I would see him walking with his Bible, you know, just talking to God. Like he would go on these Bible walks. He still does. Like he'll sometimes like Paul on his missionary journeys would walk upwards of 20 miles a day. My dad will do that. Like he's a pastor who will just like go walk 20 miles memorizing scripture. He's just gnarly, you know? So I would see him like on his knees and very intense in the living room praying and um, I'll tell you, my dad doesn't just have orthodoxy. He has orthopraxy. My mom is the most joyful person I've ever met. Like if I had to be one person when I grow up, if I ever choose to, it'll be my mom. You know, she's, she reads Philippians every morning. You can, you know, read it in less than 15 minutes. You can either change your car insurance with Geico in 15 minutes or less or change your joy. And my mom <laughs> just has an amazing way of, of just every day getting the mindset reset. 11 times Philippians talks about the phrase mindset, 19 times joy, the noun verb cognate rejoice. She really lives that out. So I would just say, 
um, my parents with my dad's scriptural knowledge that he drilled into me as a kid and my mom's joy. I just am, am very, very fortunate. And, and God's been very good to me to let me have that experience. I've got a book just strategically placed back here on my shelf uh, called Flirting with Darkness. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. I heard it's a great book, dude. I heard it's, it's a must read. It's a thriller. <laughs> it's a must read. It's a game changer. And so I wanted to encourage everybody to swipe up on the show notes and check out that book for sure. Get a copy, order it on Amazon or wherever else. But flirting with darkness, the concept of darkness has so many different meanings and uh, more than just the one that you approached incredibly so in your book, uh, your family has been no stranger to darkness mm. in the life in, in, in ministry. And one of the things that I really respected and was just amazed at with your dad is how he handled those types of things and how your family handled those types of things. I remember one particular situation where you had experienced some loss in your family and your dad was teaching the following Wednesday night. And mm -hmm. I can't imagine how much wherewithal and wisdom and Holy Spirit peace and all of that that took. And so I'm curious a lot of pks go through different types of right their family does how do you all how did you all handle that how do you continue to approach tragedy and still have such joy well there's kind of a hairball here and i'm really glad i i don't know if i've talked about this in an interview i wrote about in flirting with darkness but i just need to say like how my dad has handled tragedy takes a tremendous amount of Herculean Holy Spirit strength. You know, like he just will go through these tragedies. And as you know, like my sister died and my brother died. And we have this stalker who follows us around trying to destroy our ministry. He's been doing it since I was a kid to, to like, he literally caused a car accident at an event I was doing in Florida digitally a few months ago because he was protesting so loud. So it's like, you just go through stuff. I got diagnosed with PTSD, com the complex version. And I just think like it can get pretty gnarly. And what happened is my counselor said, I have the most difficult case of depression she's ever had to treat. And I think this can happen in pastor's kids um, because we're in a different generation and answers that simply worked for our fathers may not always be the exact same morphology, rhetoric, or syntax that's going to suit our personal subjective fancy to get us through what we're going through. And so um, all of that to say, like, that's the mindset that I took. I went through this romantic heartbreak after an eight-year relationship that left me absolutely blindsided that, um, to be honest with you, like, I, I, I didn't think I'd ever be happy again. And I just remember preaching through it when my brother passed away, preaching through it when my sister passed away, like I remember I gave my first sermon in third grade, but our family just pushed through. And I love that. And that's something I want to say I'm very proud of at the same time. Okay. So there's an underbelly here <laughs> with that can come a lot of stuff that you haven't dealt with. You know, like there's a lot of subconscious stuff. And again, the subconscious is a Freudian idea. I'm not talking about the medulla automatic responses of your physiological constitution. I'm talking about like the psychiatric theory of the unconscious self. Uh, Jean-Paul Sartre and the existentialist didn't even believe it existed. So I don't want to use all these psychobabble terms, but there is something to be said of shoving things down. For me, I just am speaking for my own life. 
that I needed to go back and deal with those things that I'd been through because it was just culminating in this profound sense of I would have panic attacks because nothing's secure. Everybody's dying, you know, it feels like. And it's just like you're, you're, you just go through this really, really dark time. And, um, and, and, and I guess like I just the way I can explain it, how I got healed is uh, remember when Jesus cast out Legion? He said, what's your name? And the demon said Legion and he could cast it out. But remember yeah. when his disciples couldn't cast the demon out um, after the Mount of Transfiguration? It's because it was a rabbi pointed this out to me. It's because it was a deaf and dumb spirit. It couldn't speak. And so I think if the demon can't speak, it gets shoved down and it stays there. But when, when the demon's named, you can cast it out. And I think as, as a metaphor, uh, I'm, I, I'm not saying like, I had to be exercised of some demon because that's obviously not what happened. But I mean, like, you know, you battle your own inner demons, you're in a spiritual warfare. I believe you kind of have to name what's going on uh, in order to, to understand it and cast it out. Similar, I know I'm being long-winded, but last thought on this idea, like similarly, there's certain Polynesian tribes that do not have a word for grief. So when someone they love dies, they say they experience fatigue or the Greeks couldn't see blue is what... Um, now, now those who study these things believe the Greeks couldn't even see blue because they didn't have a word for blue. They called the sea, like Homer called it the wide dark sea. So, so all that to say, um, psychologists say that we can only be conscious of that for which we have labels. And I didn't have labels for some of the things I was going through. And therefore I didn't know how to deal with them. So it was going to extensive counseling. That was one of the, one of the things that really helped me through. So does that make sense? That's, I told you it's a hairball. Absolutely. No, that makes tons of sense. And I love how you were able to tie in science and Christianity. And sometimes we like to, we as in Christians, like to compartmentalize everything. Right. And we don't see that there's a flow between some of that. And so thank you for just so beautifully articulating that. Um, because I think it's important for, um, well, one, to be educated in it and two, to be able to understand what to do with what we have and to make the most of that. And so just like you were saying, and so thank you for dropping that knowledge bomb on us all today. Well, I'll um, tell you what, dude, like I, I, you, you brought up a great point about compartmentalization versus integration and mm -hmm. Christians invented the scientific method. So a lot of people don't know that but <laughs> Roger Bacon and William of Ockham of Ockham's razor, they invented the Christian method. They were Franciscan monks and friars 750 years ago. Christians invented science. So I'm always like, why are we at war with that. science? You know, we were the, we're the ones who invented it. I love that, dude. And I'm just learning. This is worth its weight in gold right here. Just for me personally, this is more than I learned in school. Let's <laughs> so go, dude. Is, of course, your dad is a giant in mm -hmm. the faith and just someone who many of us have looked up to. Um, for you, because um, for me, I'm working with my dad at his church right now. Maybe oh, tell us a little you. bit. Of, yes, maybe tell a little bit about that, your experience and kind of some of that influence and how it's rubbed off on you, but how you're also yeah. navigating your own path and your own uh, journey through it as well. Well, my dad is amazing. And, and one of the things that he, he said is I was, I remember I was 18, 19 years old and I tried to teach like him on a stool, like he'll sit on a stool and teach through a Bible, teach through the Bible. And uh, I tried to sit on a stool when I was teaching and he said, Ben, stop using the stool. And I loved that. Like it was, it was a powerful proverbial figurative way of saying like, don't project an avatar to the world that isn't who you are. No cognitive dissonance here. Like be who you are. And I'm right. I'm very hyperactive, you know, like I love reading. I love, you know, 
throwing my fist in excitement when I preach. I sometimes will jump. I just get excited. And, and I love that he sort of instilled that in me. Another thing that my dad instilled in me that I just so deeply appreciate and, and honor is the Bible. I mean, he just, we're learning these obscure passages in scripture. You know, when I'm a little kid, it's like, people are like, what, what, what school did you go to? I'm like, I went to the John Corson household university. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes. I just grew up listening to my dad teach the Bible. And um, I'm so thankful that he didn't settle with giving me, you know, just Romans 828 or John 316. But it's like, Amen. let's go through judges. You know, he's teaching mm -hmm. me where we remember in high school, we would sit down and he would teach me through might, might have been middle school. I can't remember, but he'd like teach me the book of Revelation. And it, it's just really, really profound stuff. My dad, um, I, I just I can't express how deeply grateful I am that my dad instilled in me both the scriptural knowledge to run with what I have and also the opportunity he gave me. I wouldn't have preached my first sermon in third grade or started traveling and speaking at 16 or been a pastor in my senior year of high school if it wasn't for my dad. Like just for yep. that alone, I'm just like, if it, not to mention all the other stuff, I'm, I'm just eternally uh, standing right. in his debt. I love that you you called that out because as PKs, we're all standing on the shoulders of giants in our own You're city. right. We've been given launching pads and diving boards that the average person doesn't get. So that comes with its advantages. And then it comes with some, mm -hmm. I don't want to call it a disadvantage, but mm. some challenges. Yeah. And one of the challenges that I'm curious about, because we have young PKs and older PKs listening right now, mm. and you assumed the leadership position of a church that had always been led mm. as far as we mm. know with great yeah. vision and great leadership yes and yep. when we That's look true. at like joshua chapter one joshua is following up a significant leader the most famous world leader ever moses and yet god tells joshua you're gonna lead this nation to places it's never been before so how mm. do you transition you know from one great leader to the next generation and how do you lead a church that's been led so well into places that it's never been before oh gosh great 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 query you guys are good interlocutors man i'll tell you what i'm a year in almost almost a year in and i am figuring it out so i don't have any advice to give people but i but i will say this understand that if you're going to take the position of your father pastoring the church that he pastored, that church has DNA in it. So one of the things I tried to do initially is change a bunch of stuff. And I realized we, we kind of reneged on some of those changes, keeping the overall vision, but you have to realize, you know, Paul said, I will not build on another man's foundation. Meaning like you don't, if you're trying to totally change what your father did, I think that can be tricky. And the move might be if, if you feel a piece about it to go start your own new thing. And for me, that's what hope generation is. It's linked to Applegate. It's an outreach of Applegate, but hope generation, that's our media ministry. That's like where it's like all just my flavor in it. You know what I mean? Like what I love um, as far as even aesthetics or creativity or vision and Applegate, what I've actually made a lot of peace with and is, is really good for me, is a place that has 40 some years of established history 
And I want to walk in that and build up a new generation in that with some, obviously some different fingerprints with some, some, you know, there, there's going to be my own subjective creativity that I'm projecting into that. But that being said, like, I've just learned, um, that you, you, you want to keep the DNA of the church. Does that make sense? I hope, I hope I'm being making some sort of cohesive, coherent sense with this. I haven't really unpacked this. It's more stuff in my head, but, um, I, and also I'll just say, like, I think that my passion is so different than my dad, as far as what, what our ministry calling is supposed to be. So ever since I was a teenager, my dad knows this, like, I've been called to television. That's something that I've always been passionate about. So I'm constantly, like yesterday I was doing a TV show. I'm constantly doing that kind of stuff. And so my dad has had much more of like a, like a pastoral mindset. And to be totally honest with you, and people know this, like I was always saying, you can go back to interviews even a couple of years ago. And I'm like, yeah, I'll never be a senior pastor. No, I'll never do it. I'll never be a senior pastor. I kept saying that. I'm like, no, never. And, and I had to get like, talked into it like i mean a full-on team like gang they ganged up on me and talked me into it in a good way and i'm actually very thankful that they did because it's caused me to mature it's it's grounded me in new ways it's it's i feel like if you're just out traveling on your own what happens is you can get a little psychologically unmoored and a little weird so it's good when you're when you have a grounding of local people that see you and are not impressed with you you know what i mean like you kind of need those people who are like i'm not impressed with you i've heard you a million times you know i think that stuff is actually very grounding and good so so yes having the jerusalem judea samaria uttermost ends of the earth but always go back to jerusalem and go back to your base that's kind of how I, how I look at it. Does that make sense? And I love, love, love the people at Applegate. Oh, we, we both want to ask you about some of those crazy passions and that's how we'll close our conversation. But you brought up something so significant in all your crazy passions from skateboarding to Mm -hmm. Navy SEAL training to all of these really (laughs) cool things. We weren't sure if we were going to get on the zoom call today and get to see the six pack for the savior. Um, out there Six pack you know, for this savior i have never heard that dude that's so good at, you know abs for jesus um oh my god and promises all of them <laughs> um but uh, you're so in touch with the next generation and yet you're extraordinarily passionate about things like television and radio mm. i didn't even realize mm. all the things that you were doing and there are some people that have forsaken those completely mm-hmm. because they say, oh, those are outdated. That's not, that's not next. That's not next. Mm-hmm. How, why, why television yeah, that's great. and radio? Well, Jesus said the wise teacher pulls from treasures new and old. So I think the great thing about the internet is you can get your voice out to anybody, but it's hard to get credibility there. It's hard to have gravitas. And if you read second Corinthians, the whole book almost is Paul saying, listen to me, I have authority. You know, like you, you, to get a message out, you need that authority. What radio and TV do is they give that credibility and that level of authority. And also there's just a huge reach. Like I, when I was on good morning America last week, it, that caused, that was the best thing that I'd ever done for my book out of all the podcasts or anything else, you know? So, so that being said, you also, so you have to go past gatekeepers to get on radio and TV. Anybody can post a YouTube video and, 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 but, but to have those sort of platforms gives you a level of credence that then when you jump over to YouTube and you're posting stuff that's from TV there, this is just, I'm the only one who has this mindset, by the way. So it's like, I don't, I don't want to say this is how anyone else should do it. They can, if they want, this is just how I'm wired. Then when we take our TV and radio stuff, 
and we put it on our podcast, when we put it on YouTube, when we post about it on social media, on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and stuff, I just believe like, why not use it all? Like, why would I limit myself to one avenue when I can use all these different avenues to reach young and old alike? Because I, I don't know, like why, just because, first of all, first of all, when it comes to like skating, somebody said, oh yeah, you skate because you're trying to reach the, the young people. And I'm like, no, I skate because I like to skate. I think people can feel like if they're, a tar- right. if they're a target, you know, like, oh, I'm a target, I'm a mark. Like you have an agenda in this, but I just skate because I like to skate. So, so there's that element that the, the, that's just how I am. Like I do SEAL training because I love to do SEAL training. But at the same time, I don't know why we think like, oh, we only have to reach one generation. Why not reach both? I want to reach the old generation too. You know what I mean? Right. Like, obviously I have a relatability the most with, with my age group, but like, why not reach both generations? Jesus said the wise teacher pulls from treasures new and old. The new covenant, the acts Joel respectively say that young men will see visions, but what else? Old men will dream dreams. So why not visionary right. dream cast into both generations? That's gold. I that was a truth this bomb, is- Eli. That was a mic drop moment, right? <laughs> that that sure was. All right, sounds good. That was uh, that was worth it completely, right there. But I love that you're touching on some other things, like John said, some of your hobbies. Um, we probably have very similar hobbies when it comes to like training and fitness and, and working let's out. Go, and like let's go, dude. Let's get after it. If so, you're on the West Coast, let's get after it. Yeah, I I need to like seriously. It's but for me, um, I think for me, I personally do it as a way of like therapy almost too. It's the one time of the day where I can take yes. 60 minutes, 60 to 90 minutes and just kind of recharge um, mm. after, you know, church is all people. And it's the one time of day where I can more or less kind of be selfish with, with my time um, and working out and doing that. But especially when it comes to like hobbies and skateboarding and surfing and all the other stuff, how does that kind of fit into your life do you, how do you prioritize that? Is it just natural? Just comes about the day. Mm. Uh, maybe just kind of touch on good. Those. I love this podcast. I <laughs> hope we get to do a second parter and you guys are so gracious with being patient with me with scheduling stuff, but like we should do a second parter to this at some point, if you guys want, cause there's so much Let's here, do it. but here's the thing, no. cause this is a fun conversation. And that's the thing I, I feel like the best shows are you forget you're getting recorded. You know, those are the ones right. that I like <laughs> listening to the most where they're just like, really locked in you know you're really locked in um what was your question though because it was a really good one i was so, i was so amazed by the question i got off to, i got off on how good this podcast is just how you oh, prioritize uh, kind of, I, I yeah, prioritize it all yeah, yeah. okay so th- this is this is there's so much here but i'll try to synthesize it i used to think that if people saw me skating they'd be like well why didn't you meet me for coffee do you know what i mean like i thought there would be total judgy vibes like you're skating but you don't like you don't Cause, cause I, I, you know, we're very busy people and I know that that's kind of pseudo like, Oh, I'm, it's a, a euphemism for saying I'm successful. And I don't mean it that way. I just mean, there's a lot on our plates. And so I thought like, man, if I skate and I post about this, people are going to think like you're irresponsible and you're not going to, you should be meeting me for coffee or then counsel me or something. And I'm terrible at counseling. I'm horrible at counseling <laughs> and I don't see any fruit from going to coffee, nor do I see Peter James and John going to coffee with people. I always say to people, I'll be your friend. Yes. You know, like I'd yes. love to be your friend. Like come up and talk to me. Like I'd love to be your friend. But as far as counseling, like I think today the pastor is expected to be a CEO, a vision caster, an entrepreneur, a teacher, like all these millions of things. And, and I just like to go back to the fact that, and this is how we're trying to do Applegate. It was run as a team. Obviously there was a personality like 
you know, Peter, James, John, and then Paul and um, Barnabas and Silas at Antioch and Jerusalem, the churches respectively. But at the end of the day, it was apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. They ran it as a team. So yep. what happened is when I started skating and, and doing SEAL training and doing this other stuff, so far from people judging me from it, they actually got inspired by it. And they said, and it's cool. You talk about hope, but you actually go do it. You actually go have fun. And it was really freeing, you know, and I think sometimes we're, I think sometimes people can get leery of, or even afraid of, you know, going out and having fun because people will think like, man, you're shirking your responsibilities, but I've actually had a pretty opposite experience. Like people have actually been inspired by that and it's helped me to reach more people. Isn't that weird? So that's, that's, Absolutely. So I, think, I think prioritizing some of these fun things, I, I, I always fuse in work and fun. So when I'm with my friends, I get B-roll with my, cause iPhone pro 12 now, like dude, the, the technology is so good that like yes. you can get, if you have a good editor and we have a great, great editors and videographers, they can put it through their software and their editing techniques and make it look really good even for TV. So all that to say, like we're always documenting and, 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 it, and then I'll voice over a message to skating or to seal training or to hanging out with my friends and sending it and getting after it. And then we make it a message to inspire other people to, to, to go out and get after it themselves, which is what Paul said, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. What makes me joyful is not only serving others, but what makes me joyful is seeing you as I serve you go serve other people. And that's what these, these, this sort of mindset does. It has a symbiotic domino effect. So that's how I prioritize it. Work and play go hand in hand. And I think, cause for me, the posts that I kind of stop on uh, are the ones where you're doing those kind of trainings and doing those things, but you're also mm. talking over it and you're talking mm. about, you know, maybe it's Paul or you're, you know, doing something hard. And for mm -hmm. me, like that's, that stimulates wow. me um, probably more so than just, you know, someone just sitting there chilling with their phone up, which is what I did yesterday. So I'm kind of bashing <laughs> myself here, but, so you. It, but you know. it stimulates Eli and it causes me to stumble because I'm jealous and I'm like, why, why can't I do that? Um, it's complete covetousness on this. Uh, hey, end. Actually, you know, what's funny. I was just talking about this on TBN yesterday. Here's the, this is, this is something I've wanted to, I'm glad you brought that up as a funny <laughs> joke, but there's something to this. This is what I love about seals. If I was out there and I was six, eight and LeBron James and making videos about being LeBron James, you'd say like, bro, I can't do that. No matter how hard I yep. try, I cannot be six, eight. And I can't, I can't play like LeBron James. This is why seals are so inspiring because two of my really good friends are seals. And one is, one is a retired SEAL, one's an active SEAL. And the thing about them is, and this is something you'll hear all the time or study when you, come, when you look at SEAL training, the guys you think won't make it are the guys who do. It's the overweight mm. video game players that often make it. And the best athletes who are first in everything, they quit during hell week a lot of times. It's like a, it's like a pattern. And the reason why I love SEAL training is because it's all about the mind. Yeah, sure. You have to have a little physical, some sort of prowess or mm. ability, but you, you don't really need a lot of athleticism. You just need to be mentally hard. So it's all about training your mind. And that's why I like it because really anybody can take the precepts of Navy SEALs, like eat the elephant one bite at a time forged by adversity. The only easy day was yesterday and implement it into our everyday lives, whatever we're doing. That's so good. Well, I hope we get to have a part two of this conversation Let's do as it. well. 
But Ben, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Do you have a uh, PK one-liner you want to give to uh, our friends that are listening? What's that one word of hope for every preacher's kid? The one word of hope is, the one word of hope is God, when he made you, he didn't make a mistake. He made a miracle. My dad used to tell me and my brother, you're not preaching because you're a coursing. You are coursing because God made you to be a preacher. And you're not a pastor's kid by accident. You're there by appointment. So respect your legacy, but then go do you. you I think people think you have to do one or the other. Like, am I going to respect my, my, my parents' legacy, my dad's legacy, or am I going to like do my own thing? The answer is yes, you can do both. And the older I get, the more I'm seeing these are in symbiosis. They're not antithetical. These are complementary, not contradictory. So I just want to encourage every pastor's kid to learn from your father, but then also see where you can take it like Joshua into the promised land. As Isaac Newton said, if I've seen further than others, it's because I stood on the shoulders of giants. So let's be thankful for our legacy and let's see what new vision we can have standing on our father's shoulders. Hey, thanks as always for listening to the PK Podcast. And we want to remind you that we are proudly a part of the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast Network. And you can find us on Instagram at Those Preachers Kids, on Twitter at That PK Podcast. We're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, and wherever you listen to podcasts. So if you need to hit somebody up to vent, to cuss, to laugh, or to cry, hey, you can find us anywhere that you look. We love you, you're our family. And don't forget to rate the podcast and leave a review. That helps us oh so much. We love you. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Be sure to stop by our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Give us a follow. Also, go to our website, recoveringfundamentalist.org. That's recoveringfundamentalist.org. There you can find Recovering Fundamentalist swag. You can get your T-shirts and hats. You can join our ex-fundy community. See where we're going to be having some meetups. It's the recoveringfundamentalist.org. Be sure to join us next time for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast.